Today's show is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks, and I have an exciting announcement. Because of your support, because of the people who have purchased Tortuga Backpacks, we have seen Tortuga Backpacks grow from being a small operation into adding more and more products. And I couldn't be more excited because Fred, the founder, is a good friend of mine and Tortuga Backpacks are really taking off. And they have just added a brand new product to their product line and that is a set of packing cubes. So if you're someone who has a Tortuga backpack and you are looking for the perfect packing cubes to go with a Tortuga backpack, the ones that fit in there snug exactly right for your Tortuga backpack, you want to go check that out. They just announced it. They just released them. You can find the brand new packing cubes over at tortugabackpacks.com. Of course, you can find the entire line of products they have now. They started with just one backpack, the Tortuga backpack. Now they have the regular Tortuga backpack, the Tortuga Air, they have a Tortuga Day Pack, and they have the brand new packing cube. So head on over there, tortugabackpacks.com. And don't forget, if you use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, you will get 10% off your entire order no matter what you are ordering, whether it's a backpack, whether it's three backpacks, whether it's an air, or whether it's the brand new packing cube. So head on over, check them out, tortugabackpacks.com. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 181. Only 2% of the wine produced in Switzerland leaves the country, making it the perfect pairing for the 200,000 tons of chocolate produced in the country each year. Now that's a sweet lifestyle. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is my own Swiss miss, my wife and constant travel companion, Heather. Hey, everyone. And back by popular demand, the man who interviewed us for our Switzerland TV show, pre-show jitters show that's three shows i just said there in a sentence and also the man who taught me about the band the gorillas mr napkins hello everyone so we're back here guys we are sitting in our home in phoenixville pennsylvania have kind of set the scene for everyone who's listening where we are and what we're doing please So we just got back from our adventures back into the U.S. three days ago, and we're currently sitting in our house that we own. The tenants have moved out, and we're sitting in a room that will hopefully in a few days be our office. And there's one piece of furniture in this house right now. We haven't lived here for five years. That is a one bed, and all three of us are sitting on the bed. Well, there's an air conditioner here, too. 
on a bed with an air conditioner in basically an empty 1,500 square foot house. Yeah, well, I'm cool. I'm comfortable. I'm ready to hit it with this podcast. And what we thought we would do today was bring napkins back. As we mentioned, he interviewed us before we went on our Switzerland TV show adventure. And we also did that one on a bed. And he interviewed us and you guys loved it. And we thought instead of Heather and I just coming on and recapping our Switzerland adventure, and it was really an adventure, a lot of cool stuff to talk about. We figured we'd have him come back and interview us because we have not given him any of the details of our adventure because we didn't want him to know what was going on. We told him, just be quiet. We can't tell you anything. Interview us for the show. And now he's back. So thanks, Napkins. Oh, it's my pleasure. So what we're going to do, guys, is just dive in to our thoughts, our everything about our Swiss TV show experience. Yeah, well, whatever Dave wants to ask us, we'll answer. No all right. So take it away, Napkins. So guys, the last podcast that we recorded was the uh, the Best Road Trip Bands podcast, and that was on the way to the airport as you guys were getting ready to go to Switzerland, and that is where I left you. So I'm just curious to know, uh, not necessarily a blow-by-blow, blow, but what was the first day like? What was it like getting into Switzerland and becoming... Film stars. Well, we shouldn't say film and we shouldn't say stars yet. Because that... TV. Yes. And I wouldn't even say stars. TV uh, characters? Who knows? Who knows? What we did was we, we flew out of um, Newark and we actually got to fly business class with Swiss Airlines. That was part of the deal, which was really, really neat. We had a great experience flying over. We landed in Zurich and we immediately headed down. We, we ended up going to four regions. Um, we went to St. Moritz, we went to Lucerne, we went to Interlaken, and then we went down to the capital to Bern. So we kind of filmed in these four areas. And the first area we went to was St. Moritz. We thought we'd get in and we were going to get in before everyone else. And we were going to take a train ride then from Zurich to St. Moritz, which is where we were going to film starting the next day. And we, I don't know, I didn't have really any expectations of that train ride. I knew it's Switzerland. I knew the trains would be punctual. But And I knew we were going to take the Glacier Express at some point. I was really looking forward to that. But the train ride between Zurich and St. Moritz when we first got in was absolutely awesome. And that was just the two of you, right? Yeah, it was just the two of us. So we landed at the airport in Zurich, and we got to use the arrivals lounge, which is really cool. We got a shower. We had some coffee. And then we just went to the platform, took the train, and... Went the whole way to St. Moritz. And that actual train ride is so stunning because it's, well, Switzerland itself is beautiful. Everywhere you look is beautiful. So then you're driving, you know, you're riding on this train for four hours. It's relaxing. We had the windows down. So the fresh mountain air is coming in and you start to get up into the Alps and it's just beautiful. And you're just snapping pictures and kind of enjoying yourself. So it was a great relaxing start to our trip. Now, it's still just the two of us. We haven't met the rest of the crew. Uh, Those jitters were still in effect, I'm sure. Yeah, so we arrive in St. Moritz and we had this amazing host there. Uh, Stephanie works with the St. Moritz Travel Tourism Board. And she met us there, took us to the hotel and kind of gave us a, a lay of the land. And she was she was wonderful. Yeah, so overall, we had a crew of, I guess we should kind of set the scene too, of, of what the experience was actually like. It was Heather and I, and we are the quote-unquote talent. We had a producer. We had two camera guys, one main camera guy and one guy who flew a drone camera and also served as the second camera guy. 
We had an audio guy with us, and then we had a representative from the Swiss Tourism Board who, from New York who was with us the whole time, Matthias. And then as we traveled around to these different areas, we had representatives from those areas meet us and help us out and take care of us. And they did a fantastic... Everyone did a fantastic job, but we were really blown away by how awesome everyone from the Swiss Tourism Board and the areas that we were um, and who met us. They really took care of us. They wanted to show the best that their area had to offer. And so we were really lucky with that. And so the first night, we just kind of chilled out. Heather and I um, walked around the lake in St. Moritz and really it was just kind of nice to have... Both it was just us two. The rest of the crew didn't. We arrived. I should mention we got to go to an indoor water park, which was not anything that we were expecting. And this was a cool way to start off. Where there was a, a big gym and and water park next door to our hotel. And uh, I went in, and there was a like a water slide, like a few water slides, and no one was on it. So I asked the guy if you know if we were allowed to go on it, if adults were allowed on it. He said yes, and uh, I spent about half an hour doing that. But Heather would not join me on the water slides. They were a little scary too. Um, well, it wasn't really about being scared. It was just that I didn't want to get my hair wet. <laughs> I knew that we had to meet people and, um, I just didn't want to have to redo my hair, which is pretty lame. But at this place, they had this amazing outdoor pool that was heated. So it was kind of like a spa outside where I sat for a while and just kind of watched the, the clouds rolling over the Alps. And that was pretty relaxing. And then Travis went for the adventure part. What was filming like? Because we talked a lot about in the last interview about the difference between filming with a crew and filming just with you and your camera or you and your iPhone. So what was it like to have a crew and what role did they play in the production? Well, having a crew was, in a word... Awesome, because we didn't have to worry about setting up the cameras or the audio equipment or the, the setting the scene or the shots. It was a little bit difficult the first couple of well, really the first day was hard because we didn't know anyone and they didn't know us. And so we were all kind of like walking around on eggshells, not knowing, you know, the personalities of each other. But the, the crew itself was, they were just an amazing group of people and they were so helpful in making us feel comfortable throughout the trip that I couldn't imagine doing that show without them. Yeah, I, would, I think the thing that stressed me, uh, that was most surprising to me, was that I was more stressed out about the show than I thought. So I originally, and, and we talked about this in the pre-show jitters episode, I, I originally thought, okay, you know, yeah, we want to do a good job, but we're going to go. It's going to be fun. They're going to follow us around. I was more nervous because once we met the crew and we heard what they worked on and, you know, they worked on Fast and Furious 7 and Newsroom and, you know, the one guy had won a bunch of Emmys as a camera guy. I mean, just a lot of really uh, impressive people who have done a lot of really cool things. And then here me and Heather are trotting in as the quote unquote talent. So I, it was a little more stressful than I thought for sure. Yeah, like we might have experience with travel. You know, and you may put others to shame with that. But being the talent on a show, it was definitely way outside our comfort zone. Yeah, and I think it was a huge learning curve. And so we got in that, that first day and then, the, uh, you know, w the crew got in late at night. And then the, the second day we were in Switzerland really was day one for filming. And it was really difficult. It's funny to think back. We packed so much in. I, I always say that, you know, in nine days of filming in Switzerland... We did a month's worth of activities. So, you know, each day we were doing three things that someone would probably spend all day doing. 
And so the first day, you know, what became par for the course was we woke up around, or we didn't wake up. We we started filming around eight a.m. And you know, we usually wouldn't stop filming until eight p.m., nine p.m. So they were really, really full on long days, and it was fun. But it was a lot more. I guess I don't want to say a lot more work than I thought because it was a lot of fun, but it was it was harder than I thought. Yeah, and it was more emotional than we thought because we didn't know how we were doing and we weren't getting feedback at first. And, you know, you're hooked up to audio equipment the whole time. So you always have a mic on you and you don't know what's being recorded and what isn't being recorded. And then you have to be camera ready the whole time because you never know when they're going to throw the camera on you. Right. You know, for guys, I don't think it's quite as difficult, but, you know, I have to make sure that my hair looks good or that my makeup is good. Yeah, basically, I would wake up at seven and Heather would wake up at six, like if we had to be ready by eight. So a lot easier on on me than you. Yeah, I mean, unless I just didn't care what I looked like, which didn't ever happen because, of course, I always <laughs> wanted to look good every day. So, yeah, the schedule was pretty exhausting, even though it was fun. And just the emotions that we were that we were feeling as the talent, as this new talent that didn't have any experience. I mean, it was up and down. So yeah. what what kind of things did they did they film you doing early on? Like what kinds of things did you have to do to start out, say, in St. Moritz? Well, it, it was definitely the first day. It's crazy to think that this was only one day because the first day was a roller coaster of emotion, and it was crazy. And looking back with our, you know, the memory of it and things like that, it it seems like it was a lot longer than it was because we we start off, and again, Heather was mentioning it was really difficult. I think for us because we didn't know what to expect, right. and we wanted to make sure we were doing a good job, and we weren't getting a lot of feedback, and I think everyone didn't know what to expect. So you know, just to kind of tell you what it was like, we would show up at a place and activity, but no one had been there before. So the camera crew didn't go ahead. The producer had never been there. The people from the Swiss tourism board, like Matthias, who was with us the whole time, he had never been there. So we'd get to a place or an activity, and all of a sudden, everyone had to figure out what was going on, right? including us. And so it was really difficult. So the first day also, too, we had some activities that, let's just say, were not as provocative or as exciting as the activities that then we later did. So the first day was really trying because I think everyone was thinking, what well, was this it? Like, uh, we didn't get many good right. shots. Yeah, so we wake up and the first thing we do is go to this mineral water spa yes. where you drink Which sounds this- Awesome. Well, well, yeah, it's awesome. It's not like you get massaged there. I mean, maybe you can, but it's like a health center. Right. So you basically go in and they have these like signs, like these plaques telling you about the water and the minerals that are in there and what you can benefit from drinking the water. So we go in and we taste the water and they're filming us tasting the water. And it was absolutely disgusting. Yeah, I mean, the funniest part was that Travis thought it tasted horribly, and he made that apparent. Well, I can't stand mineral water to begin with. So that was funny. But, you know, it's not a very exciting place. So we spent, like, an hour and a half to two hours just at this mineral water place. Just drinking water. Yeah, and then, like, we'd pour it out, and then we'd be like, okay, well, now look like you're doing it for the first time. I mean, so it was just funny. So we did that for the first thing. Then after that, what did we do after that? Then we went to, and here's the thing. Most of the stuff was pretty cool, but it just didn't, like, it wasn't amazing. It didn't film that well. So we went to an outdoor concert, which was really neat. It was in the forest, and it was called the Concierto Pontresina or something. So it was a guy playing a 
uh, piano and another guy playing like a violin and another guy playing a, a bass or a cello. And so it was this really cool kind of symphony open thing. Air. Yeah, it was and it was open air. But again, we go and we were enjoying listening to it. But, you know, the guys filming it, it was us and about 60 or 70 old Swiss people. And there was not much to film. So it was neat. But again, it was not something that that we were like blown away by. And then after that, we went to the Ricola Garden. So, you know, Ricola. Ricola. Exactly. The the throat lozenges or the medicated drops, whatever you want to call it. And it was neat because it was an herb garden. It was all the herbs they used in Ericola. But it was just an herb garden with no one there. Like myself. Exactly. You would have loved it. But what did we film? So we spent like an hour and a half there trying to film something of us like tasting the herbs and all that stuff. It just wasn't working on film. Uh No. And so it was really hard because you could see everybody just getting really frustrated, like the camera guys and the producer and then us, because we feel like idiots, like going around this herb garden, you know, taking a quiz. This bergamot tastes delicious. Yeah. I mean, it was so bad. And so, you know, we get in this whole thing of like, are we doing a bad job? Is it us? Is it because of us? Is it because of the location? Like, you know, you, your mind just goes crazy. And so... We didn't have the best day. And then after that, we did another activity where we went to this Swiss dairy farm, which was really fun for us, again, but not the best filming experience. Right. And it's crazy to think those first three things we did, you know, that was only one half of day one because it seemed so long because we'd be talking in the van and we'd pull each other aside and we didn't know the crew really that well at that point. Sure. Are we doing bad? What are we supposed to be doing? Is that... It was just, it was pretty tense and not because of what anyone else was doing. I think everyone was feeling Yeah, that it way. sounds to me like it was really one of those things where you were put in a situation where you had to, what are you laughing at? I'm laughing because it was so tense. I oh yeah, you're just, the memory is like flat yeah. washing over you. Um, it sounds to me that you were put in a situation where your expectations were up here. It was the it was the beginning of the trip. This is all day one. Yeah. This is all so day one. So it's the beginning of the trip. Your expectations are up here. I mean, because people can't yes, see. Yes, people your can't gesture. see my gesture. <laughs> well, up here, you know, implies up high. But anyway, so yes, your expectations were at their highest point because it's the beginning of this whole adventure. Yeah. And they're putting you in a situation where you're just tasting water, tasting herbs and tasting cheese right. and having to make it provocative or interesting and you feel like you're you're missing the mark. Right. It, that's exactly right. And then we went to the cheese thing and they did have the world's most amazing charcuterie plate. I mean, this thing was absolutely beautiful. We kept asking them what types of cheeses there were because there's about 12 cheeses and they just kept saying mountain cheese. <laughs> mountain And we're cheese. like, well, what's this See, one? that scares mountain me a little cheese. bit. And they're like, what's this one? Mountain cheese. So all of it was mountain cheese. I local did cheese. local cheese. I did get to um, work with the one guy, Peter, who was awesome and helped make the cheese, but he didn't speak English at all. So again, fun for me, maybe not the best for the filming. And so it's just really rough. But what was cool was, you know, it was a really rough day. And then that night, and I cannot believe this was only the first real night of filming we went up 
on a cable car to the top of this one mountain. And we were, it was beautiful. There was a Michelin-rated restaurant up top. It was sunset. So you can see the whole valley and St. Moritz and all the other Alps around there. And the clouds just coming and the sun going down. The light was perfect. They had some Alphorn players up there. And actually, so we get to the top of the mountain and we get ushered in like rock stars, which was cool, to this spot <laughs> right by the railing where you can oversee the whole the scene. And they have wine for us and like little snacks, you know, and everybody else is just sitting there normally, you know, at the normal restaurant experience. And we get like this VIP table. So that was cool. Yeah, that everyone needed a drink on the crew at that point. Everyone needed to get a drink. And that that really helped. And it was a really neat experience to be treated to something special. And it wasn't even a filming location, right? Not really. Like they filmed us saying cheers and stuff. But it was. It was like kind of done. Yeah. And the funny thing about this is that you cannot actually drink on on network TV, I guess. So you can't take a sip. So we just cheers. But then we wouldn't be able to like lift it to our lips and actually drink on camera. (laughs) On camera, you can't. So as, as soon as the cameras were off us, you know, we would drink some. But that was just a funny little thing that. It happened more than once on the trip. Yeah, for sure. And so what really kind of broke the ice and was maybe the first real neat experience that we did in terms of like feeling comfortable and it being uh, as kind of like feeling good on camera was one of the ladies who's the outpouring player who couldn't really speak any English would also kind of yodel in between songs. And I'm like, you know, I want to learn yodeling. So we pulled her aside, asked her if she would teach us yodeling. She said yes. And then Heather and I in front of on this huge outdoor patio in front of probably 70 or 80 people there for a nice meal practiced yodeling with this lady with the mountains like around you right and it was like not planned it was not scripted um we did film it and i'm sure it'll make it in the show and it was hilarious because we were absolutely awful but it was so it was an authentic experience and it was really really neat yeah and it was really fun too because even though travis and i cannot sing so therefore we can't yodel um it's really fun because that's how we travel. We look for these authentic experiences and we don't mind showing people that we suck at yodeling as long as we're having fun and it's good entertainment. So it was kind of the first moment where we were like, yes, this whole nine days could be fun and it could be successful and we can make a good show. It sounds genuinely organic and, and it was. spontaneous. And, and we got to light, like let loose for real and let our personality show for the first time. And, uh, and that kind of played then right into day two. And again, I cannot believe that was only the first eight hours of day one because the emotions we went through were enough for like a week. You know, it was just every minute we were worried and tense. And I did not imagine that this would be this way. And it did. It definitely died down then as we went on. I mean, we got more comfortable. The crew got more comfortable. Everyone got more comfortable and we were doing some cool stuff. But that played right into day two because day two was really, really cool. We actually met... The guy who we call our Swiss grandpa now, Rudy, who Heather and I both have a huge affinity for. Yeah, Rudy was great. He is the coolest 74-year-old I know. He's Most still active 74-year-old as well. He still downhill skis, even races sometimes. Wow. He does the break on the bobsled wow. sometimes, you know, when his friend happens to call him up last minute and hikes to Italy with his wife every summer. I mean, the guy is incredible and he has so much energy and enthusiasm for the area of St. Moritz because he grew up around there and he's a local guide there. And so we went up on a hike with him in the mountains and Travis interviewed him, you know, and his English was great. And he's just 
so fun. So right from day two, we started off on a good note with having a good local guide who spoke English that we could communicate with on camera. And you're in this beautiful setting in the mountains and even though we couldn't actually go for a real hike and it was just like, okay, let's take a picture or let's film you hiking, you know, for right. 10 minutes and then come back down and that's it. Fake but, it. Yeah. you know, it's cool. Yeah. And I think that as well, the, the characters and the people that we met during this were the best part of it. I mean, the activities we do were phenomenal, but we got hooked up with some amazing characters that we're going to talk about. And Rudy is right at the top of the list. I mean, just such an interesting guy. We went hiking with him and then, you know, we were supposed to be done with Rudy and go to this this other town of Zuas and see this really pretty old um, town outside of St. Moritz. And Rudy actually wanted ha- wanted to come with us. And so we're like, yeah, sure. And so he actually insisted that Heather and I drive with him and the crew drived with, you know, went with the van that we had. And so the whole time in this 30-minute drive, he's just regaling us with hilarious stories of, of, of this and that. Um, we go to the town. We have a good time there. We meet another character. Was named, he the, quote, charismatic local that was listed in the itinerary? No. We, we, showed, we showed napkins the itinerary before. We'll get to the charismatic local. He, again, a crazy character. Rudy was not the one that was described as, as that. But then we went, um, we went to the town, and it was, it was really neat. We did some filming there. And then we went our first like kind of adventure activity. And this, again really got the ball rolling even more was getting to windsurf on Silver Plana Lake. Yeah, windsurfing, I was really looking forward to this because I, we've never done it before and I just thought it would be really fun. So we arrive at the lake and we get suited up because the water's pretty cold, so they give you wetsuits. And we practice first on the paddle boards, which we've also never done. And that was pretty easy and it gives you kind of a feel for what the windsurfing board is like. So we practice with that. They film us doing that. It's funny because, of course, we both fall off. Balancing. and Balancing. You know, then I'm kind of like moving to the back of my board to like, we had an instructor named Alex who's the owner of the Silvaplana windsurfing location and he was great. And so he was like showing me this move where you could move to the back of the board and kind of like balance yourself and the front tips up. So I'm like, yeah, I can do that. You know, I feel pretty comfortable and I ease back <laughs> and then I promptly fall right <laughs> off into the water. So that was fun. And we did that for like maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And then Travis and I each separately did the windsurfing, which was fun and funny. Yeah, the windsurfing was neat. Alex was phenomenal. If anyone does go to St. Moritz, this is something I highly suggest you do if it's during, obviously, the summer. And what's cool about Alex, a man after our own heart, he said, you know, he owns this windsurfing. So you're right there on the lake. He owns the whole thing. People are just hanging out like they're windsurfing and then they're coming in. They're drinking a beer. They're hanging out on like the little beach there. It's just such a cool vibe. And he says, this is my summer office. And then he points up to the mountain and he's like, that is my winter office because he used to be a world-class skier. And so he, he, he does ski lessons. He actually knew Rudy. Rudy is still with us at this time. He insists he comes everywhere with us. He knew Rudy because they were both ski instructors for all the rich people who come in in the winter. And so he loved Rudy as well. Everyone loves Rudy. And so it was just a, it was a really cool vibe. The only downside to the windsurfing, and it was really fun, Heather picked it up. He he was very um, democratic, or uh, you know, he's really nice. We we ca- tried to get him on camera asking us, uh, asking who was the better windsurfer, and he said, "Oh, I I don't know. You know, you're both good. In reality, that's not true at all." Heather kicked my butt at windsurfing, but the one downside <laughs> to filming that we learned is that you know we were out there and we were learning. So I did it for like ten minutes, and Heather went out for ten minutes, and we're like, "Oh, cool, we're gonna get to keep doing this," and they had gotten the shots, and so that was it. 
Yeah, so we didn't get to spend very much time actually doing it. It's like the second you get the hang of it, not that I was doing it well, but I could have done it longer and stayed on. Then they're like, turn around and come back and let's let's hit it. So, yeah, that was a bit of a bummer. And I think if we go back, I would definitely do that again when I had more time because it was so much fun yeah to just be out on the lake and you're just zooming around yeah, on the a pictures, board the I pictures, mean, uh, the pictures that i've seen online of that activity there are yeah really pretty it, awesome it's looking. cool it's a great experience you're just sitting there the alps are all around you the water is pure clean clear it's it's invigorating yeah of course then after we're done windsurfing rudy i mean we're done filming for the day and had we been more comfortable had this not been day two we probably would have stayed and windsurfed um but because it was day two i think we were feeling like all right we don't know where our place is like are we done filming we have to do some stuff either way but rudy was like well can i take you guys around some more to me and heather and we're like sure and and so this is just you know he took us all over the place (laughs) as if saying no was an option i mean he like wanted to hang and just so Rudy took us That's up great. to the, uh, he was phenomenal. He took us up to the Beverly Hills of St. Moritz. He showed us a $650 million home. Unbelievable. Uh, the homes up there are Because like, of size, location, what? Size, I mean, obviously location. location but. Yeah, it was everything. Uh, these homes are crazy. I mean, these are homes for like, uh, he was showing us, all right, there's the Sheik of Iran's home and all this kind of stuff. Wow. And it was a private road that you couldn't go up unless... Um, you lived there, but of course, Rudy was like the ski instructor for all these rich people who lived up there. They weren't there then because, you know, they're only there in the winter. So he took us up there. That was pretty neat because, again, we saw something that most people wouldn't see. Right. Um, you know, how the other half lives, how the real other half lives. <laughs> and then he took us to the bobsled track because St. Moritz was, you know, has had the Winter Olympics twice. Right. And there was a bobsled track there and we got to go up to that and he showed us all around. And so just really cool to get to hang out with him. Because it was unscripted, unplanned. I think that we keep, I keep using the term set the ball rolling, but it just kept, we kept gradually feeling more and more and more comfortable as the days went on. And that was only day two, but all these little things helped us feel more comfortable. I think helped make the show go a lot better as we, as the days progressed. Yeah. Well, here's hoping because the show is still in production process, uh, post production in the editing room. So. I don't know. I hope it's going to be good. I guess we should mention as well, we're not sure at the moment what it's going to be on. It is going to be on uh, American TV and Canadian TV. It'll probably be on CNBC or MSNBC or maybe Travel Channel. We're going to try to get on Netflix, things like that. So, of course, we'll be announcing that to people when we know. Yes. But look for it around mid-October. And, of course, we're going to be shouting it from the hilltops. From the mountaintops, I guess, Switzerland, from, right? From the Swiss Alpen tops. As soon as, <laughs> soon as we know. So that gives you a, a little bit of a look into the, into the first couple days. Uh, we could keep going with our itinerary unless there's other questions, napkins, that, that you have about the show and stuff like that. No, I think the production end of it is, is, is really interesting. What other things did you do that really highlighted the trip? Any other activities or, or regions that stand out to you? Things that you did that were really amazing that that you were able to, you know, kind of sink your teeth into or well, I think it's hard to pick certain things. I mean, I think we could go almost day by day and as we mentioned we we put a lot of stuff in. I day 3 for us, it was pretty crazy because we spent about two full days in each place. So after St. Moritz, after those two days, we moved on and we took the Glacier Express and that was the morning of day 3 and so we got on the train around 9 o'clock, but of course we had to film before that. 
Yeah, you know, they just get us going in and out of the train station and just B-roll. And, right. you know, then a truck comes by, so then you have to do it again. And, you know, that was funny. So we did that in the morning. And then we had the three and a half hour train ride uh, through the Swiss Alps to Andermatt. And we had lunch on the train. And we're in this first class cabin, this panoramic cabin where just windows everywhere. And the scenery is Dunning and it's so relaxing and you get really good service in there and you get coffee and just basically whatever you want and so that was really cool and felt like vacation like if you're going yeah. to Switzerland on vacation do you just splurge and do yes. this because it was and you're there for the scenery I mean you, you need to see it if you're going you need to see it right and and the Glacier Express runs from St. Moritz all the way to Zermatt where the Matterhorn is we got off it early in Andermatt because we had some stuff to do and this is where we met the charismatic local. The charismatic so, local. In the itinerary that we got, one of them just said, meet charismatic yes. local. Meet <laughs> a charismatic local. And this guy certainly was. His name was Bantz, which was his nickname. It means little sheep. Little and sheep. he was short and he had curly hair. And this guy was like a storyteller to end all storytellers. I mean, from the moment he started talking, he was just yarning these tales or Spinning a, I don't know. What, weaving a yarn. Spinning, weaving a, spinning, a yarn. Spinning a tail. I don't know. Whatever. Just move on. He was good at stories. <laughs> yeah, he was telling us he's the one of the first snowboarders ever in Switzerland. He knows Jake Burton. He started snowboarding school. So he's taking us on the Devil's Bridge, which is kind of a, a big piece of Swiss history. And he's taking us into the mountains. And there's a bunch of bunkers in there that during the wars they had stored sensitive materials. So he's finding us all these little paths that go through the mountain. He took us to Russia. Which, little known fact, there's a tiny piece of Switzerland. Yeah, get this, Napkins. We went to Russia, actually. That's a big detour. (laughs) Yeah, so apparently Russia was an ally in some battle with Switzerland, and they gave Russia a a plot of land next to this mountain where there's a flag and like a little memorial thing. So it's technically Russian territory. So you can step into Russia and then back into Switzerland. Very cool. in, In Andermatt. Andermatt. Andermatt? <laughs> Andermatt. Andermatt. Whatever it is. And, and yeah, so we were just, we were stepping back and forth going, Switzerland, Russia. Russia, Switzerland. Which hopefully that makes it in the show because I thought that was kind of funny actually. Maybe I'm the only one. Um, we then went to Altdorf. Altdorf. A t- Altdorf, a tiny little town. Old which town. Mean, town. means old town. And it is home to the most famous Swiss person ever to live napkins are going to put you on the spot here any idea the most not roger federer because that's who i thought i'm like i only know one swiss person it's roger federer the most famous swiss person ever to live he historical figure and it's kind of like a all right it's kind of like a oh you mean as opposed to like an athlete or not an athlete it's it's an old time it's kind of like a tall tale like Okay, like a Johnny Appleseed type character for Switzerland. Yes. Tall tell, tall tell. William Tell. Tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, William Tell. If the only thing we knew about William Tell, he shot a an apple off his son's head. So we got the whole history of that. This is a town that happened in supposedly, no one knows if it's true or not. We actually did a really cool cultural thing here where we put these large bells. So so it's like a wooden uh, brace, right? And there's a bell on each end, and you put them on your shoulders. Like a yoke. Like a, yeah, like, like a, a yoke for an animal. That's the word I was looking for. The wor- words are escaping me today. That's Probably not a good day for a podcast. long day. And, and you rang the bells. Like, you walked and you rang the bells around the town. And what that was meant to symbolize, it, it told people there's a festival going, and they right. still do it. It's a traditional way of doing it. And uh, these guys came and were teaching us how to do it, and they put a huge 
heavy wool shirt on me. And we should mention that in Switzerland, it was awesome time for actually filming because it was super sunny and we had the most amazing weather over those nine days, except for the heat. Yeah, they had record temperatures in Switzerland. So we're talking about... 95 degrees and complete full-on sun while we were filming. So it made for some sweaty, sticky weather. Yeah, we got we got a nice tan, but we were really... These bells, so that was pretty cool. I was sweating through and we met these guys who did the bells. Everyone in the town thought something was actually happening. So everyone comes like running to the town the square. And, and something was actually happening. Yeah, they see these idiots walking around <laughs> these bells not being able to stay in rhythm. So that was really, really neat. And that took us... Our end goal that day was to go to Lucerne. And yeah. Lucerne was an area in Switzerland we had never been to. We had also never been to St. Moritz. And Lucerne was breathtaking. It's an absolutely stunning city. It's pretty touristed because it's so beautiful. And like this idyllic little Swiss town where there is Lake Lucerne, which is amazing. And we'd been to Lake Geneva before, and I always thought that was the most beautiful place in Switzerland, which I still love it. But Lake Lucerne definitely gives it a run for its money because the lake is very dramatic because it has all these fingers to it. So the shape of it is very interesting. And then you have the mountains that just butt right up to it in these dramatic cliffs and drop-offs. And so it's so beautiful, I can't even express it in words. And then the actual town or city, it's kind of a big city, of Lucerne is gorgeous. And it has this architecture that's very traditional Swiss. And then it has some new buildings, too, where the train station is, which look really cool. And then there's the chapel bridge, which runs from one side of the like little river that feeds into the lake to the other side of Lucerne. And it's gorgeous because it's this wooden covered bridge and it has all of these like paintings i guess on on it inside it's really hard to describe but if you've seen a picture of it it's this iconic swiss picture yeah it's really beautiful it there's there's even swans that are natural to the lake i mean they're indigenous to this lake and you think that they just plopped them on there to make it look even more like sickeningly beautiful but no they're just they're they just live there they live there (laughs) Because they know what's beautiful. <laughs> Heather kept asking everyone. She couldn't believe it. She'd be like, um, so how did these swans get here? And people would be looking at her like, what do, what do you mean? And First she's of like, all. Wait, I mean, why are there swans on this lake? And, and they like didn't understand. And we're like, finally we asked, like, were, did people put them here? Or are they natural? And they're like, no, obviously these are natural to this lake. I think Give it's a legitimate question. First of all, I didn't ask so many people. I asked Matthias, our Swiss guide for the trip, who lives near Lucerne. I asked him maybe once and then again a second time, just to be sure. So they could have introduced a population of swans. Like an idiot. Thank you, Dave. You're right. You're very right. They could have. Moving on, Lucerne has many awesome things to do. We did we did some great stuff. So starting our first day, this was another crazy full on day. They they all really were. But day four, we actually I was really excited for this because we were going to learn how to play the Alp horn. Yes. So there was a guy named Tobias. He was very funny. He spoke no English. Heather and I had to take a cable car ride up with him for 45 minutes. So it was me, <laughs> Heather, and Tobias. It was really nice. We did share our apple and granola bar with him, and he seemed very happy. <laughs> but he is the most famous Alp horn maker in Switzerland, which basically means in, in the, the world. world. And uh, there's these amazing wooden horns. He makes them custom. 
Um, you know, he sells them for thousands of dollars to people who want them. And so we got to hang out in his workshop. He showed us how they were made. It was really, really fantastic. I didn't understand half of it. Well, actually, I probably didn't understand like three, uh, like 90% of it. I, you know, he's like trying to explain how it's made. I'm like, I don't know. This is pretty incredible. But then we actually got up uh, to go up With traditional to, tools, yes? Yeah, traditional tools. Um, exactly. And we got to then go up to Mount Pilatus. So there's two main mountains in Lucerne, Mount Rigi and Mount Pilatus. And we got to go up to Mount Pilatus where he actually then gave us an Alphorn lesson because he couldn't speak English. We kept asking him how we were doing and he just kept nodding and saying like, okay, good. Like that was the English word he knew, but um, we were pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot harder than you think. And I guess if you've played the trumpet, maybe it's somewhat similar to that in a small way, but you really have to kind of like pucker your lips and yeah. vibrate them yeah and it, it, i mean it was hard and we had a bit of an audience as usual because as soon as you get these you know silly looking americans trying with, to do with something with a camera crew you know you attract a lot of attention so that was funny we were not very successful i don't know if we were more or less successful than the yodeling I don't know. There was about 300 people watching us do this, though. So it was a little, not nerve-wracking, but I mean... Did you get any noise out of it? Yeah, yeah. We got some noise out of it. So we were able to do that. And and like we could make sounds, but obviously he was doing all types of... Cra- not right. only is like Stuff one of the most... you hear like across a mountain valley. Yes. Yeah. It was amazing. And he could do classic traditional, and then he could do this newer, like jazzy version of playing it, you know? And so we could make noise for sure. Like we could get like a nice sounding note but it was one note <laughs> that's it we couldn't change to a different okay. note. you know what i mean so there was only so many times you could blow in it and make the same sure. note <laughs> and then you're like okay can we wrap this up and yes. like move on to the next thing yes. because it's it's funny yeah so that was a really cool experience and we were with the <laughs> the lady who was our guide for this who's who works for the tourism board of the mountain called her name is colette and we we're calling her the little dragon and she was awesome because she just got anything done that needed to happen. Yeah, she's a force to be reckoned with. And she's also like pretty tall in stature. And she has, wow. you know, this was it reddish hair. And I'm colorblind. You tell me. Anyway, she just <laughs> she definitely was a fierce person. Yes. So the the name of a, of Little Dragon was pretty apt. And that so, came from you or that came from? N- that was a pre-existing name. Oh, yeah, there's it. a story about a dragon that lived on Mount Pilatus and someone told us that they called her and the tourism board the Little Dragon. Little dragon. Because, for example, when we had to like clear room for the outpouring, she was just like, she's just telling people like, back up, back up. She's like setting up a <laughs> perimeter. She's telling people not to walk through the shot. It was perfect for filming. We wanted to take the drone up and have this awesome shot of the mountains. And we're like, can we do this? She's like, oh, yeah, you can do whatever you want. She's like telling people to move and get out of the way. So yeah, it was, she was great. We loved her enthusiasm was so big. And yeah. she, she was a really fun person to be around. Now, did she work for the Swiss Tourism Board? She actually worked for Mount Pilatus. So okay. there's the cable car that goes up to the top, and she kind of is the manager of the whole operation up there. So she kind of runs that mountain, and she does a very good job doing it. Yeah. You guys mentioned the uh, the drone. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that was a great part to have on the trip. So we didn't originally know we were going to have this, but we laughed and we said, like, why are we even here? Like, who needs the talent? Because some of the drone shots, if you're unfamiliar with a drone, I mean, it, it's a flying helicopter with that a has a camera on it. And now they're so good. Like, the quality Smooth of drones you can get. footage. Yes. 
Exactly. Yeah. It was super smooth and super amazing. Of course, Switzerland's like the perfect place to get drone footage. And so we were joking, like, why don't you just put together an hour of drone footage for this yeah. TV special? What do you even need us messing up these <laughs> takes for? Yeah, it was pretty incredible. So I'm really looking forward to see how they splice all of that together. But yeah. it was really cool. Going up in the mountain was fun because then you can see the whole of Lake Lucerne and all the little inlets. And it, it's yeah. a really amazing view from up there. So that was really cool to be able to experience that. And then we went back down the mountain. And I, I did well, we, and we went down. What's really cool is you can go up and down the mountain. And we did so much that you just forget. It's the world's steepest cogwheel train. So this train is crazy going up and down this mountain. And so that's the way we were able to get down. And so, and like, that's just a little piece of what we did on one day. Right. And it's something that if you went to just Lucerne, you were taking a trip, you're like, I would definitely have to do this. And that's why they wanted to pack so much in to a shooting day because they want to give people the feeling of, all the different things available. Yeah, there's so much to highlight in each area that we went to. So it made sense that we had a lot a lot going on. And it was really fun. So then we got back down to the mountain and we did a very small city walking tour because it was about 98 degrees and yeah. everybody was melting. Everyone. I, I should mention that Heather did a fantastic job with hair and makeup throughout this whole team. We didn't have our own hair and makeup team, but I was sweating profusely throughout filming. And there's actually this makeup that she was applying to me that stopped me from sweating. I don't have any idea what it was, but she was like, she was making up everyone throughout this whole time. Like even like the 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 other people like Colette and the people who were on camera with me, she'd come up with this little brush and all of a sudden we weren't sweating. That's it's great. magic. No, it's money at Sephora, very well spent, but actually uh, it's the Makeup Forever HD powder. So it's love. supposed to... Yeah. <laughs> I know, I should be getting paid for this. No, it like really sets anything that's on your face. So you put it on at the end of your makeup uh, application or as for Travis, just like to stop his... To stop shiny areas. Um, yes. So that was pretty funny that I was applying that to people That's because awesome. it was just the weather was intense. Yes. It was intense. Yeah. And then and what was really cool is on this day, then we were actually able to take paddle boats out into the middle of Lake Lucerne. Again, this wasn't film. This was like we very rarely got to do stuff that was off the itinerary just because right. we didn't have time. time. But we had a little bit of time on this day because we were supposed to take a two and a half hour walking tour. And we were like, no way we're doing this. <laughs> so we cut it down to like 15 minutes. And the lady was actually really happy, really sweet, this lady named Honey, because she was like, oh, I actually have house guests. I can go back to dinner with them. I'm like, yeah, go, you know. No. And so um, we then got to go out in the middle of Lake Lucerne and go swimming. And that was just really fun. We did that with some of the crew and just had a good old time. Yeah, it was so refreshing because you're staring at this beautiful lake all day long and it's clear it's not like lakes around Philadelphia, you know, and you just want to go swimming. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's not New Hampshire, everyone. It's no Lake Winnipesaukee. Yes, this is true. So anyway, Lake Lucerne was really beautiful and we got to swim and it was like one of the best feelings because for three days we'd just been hoofing it around Switzerland, you know, doing all these activities and... And roasting. Roasting. And something really neat happened to us on this fourth day that we forgot to mention. But believe it or not, we are 43 minutes into this episode. We are halfway done describing who would have guessed that we could have talked this long. So what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to split this up into two parts. So this is going to be the end of part one. And if you want to listen to the rest of our story, and like we said, there's something really cool happened to us. 
on day four that we're going to mention. We'll start off part two of that. You're going to be able to get that on iTunes or Stitcher or however you listen to this podcast. You can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pod. You can get all the episodes there. So we're going to leave you with a little cliffhanger. Napkins, you don't know what this is either. I have not heard this story. So we're going to leave you a little cliffhanger. Um, Check out part two. We're going to be able to, to dive a little deeper into what we did. And then I think also give a, you know some of the major takeaways we had and also maybe some superlatives, like what was the best experience. I, I assume you're going to be asking some things like yeah, that in part two. Yeah, let's throw those in, definitely. So don't forget, guys, today's show is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. So if you are looking for good travel gear, this is what went with me in Switzerland, head on over to tortugabackpacks.com. And if you get something, they also have some new gear. They have packing cubes now. They also have their day pack for sale. So there's some new items over there. Make sure to use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. That will get you 10% off. So napkins, we are going to roll right into part two. Sounds good. But we got to sign off for these guys. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you for the support. As always, thank you for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris.